This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, guys? It's Pinkley. Cam and I recorded this episode live last night and had some technical problems. There was a setting that was wrong. I don't know how it got wrong, and I didn't realize it until well into the show. And as a result, I cut out every now and then until I realized what the problem was and fixed it. On the video version of the show, I'm like frozen for like a, a long period of time. And also, I've been doing these Twitter file readings live to give you guys a like a raw reaction from Cam and I. But we realized, especially in Twitter file seven, which is one that we read in the show that you're listening to last night, and that these people reporting on the Twitter files they're kind of burying the lead to say the least. So I don't think I'm going to do the live readings anymore. And by live, I mean live reactions from me and Cam without having read them because they're kind of ticking me off with these long threads of stuff that we already know that makes it feel like they're just trying to placate us or something. And then just when you think there's not going to be anything really revealing or interesting, they drop a couple of things in later on in the thread that actually are pretty interesting stuff. So for those of you who do want to go read the ones that I've, I found the most interesting, I would start at number 30 of Twitter Files 7, the most recent ones. I have not read Twitter Files 8, which came out tonight, but number 30 is where it starts to get a little bit interesting. And also read the attached images because most of the time in these Twitter files, I read the images because there's details in there that they don't say in the actual thread themselves that to me are the most interesting and revealing. Yeah. Number 30 is where it really gets it gets interesting in that latest batch. And just to give you a quick summary of what Twitter file seven was that I can recall off the top of my head here, basically is that the FBI just took over complete control of, of Twitter. They had their guy, I think his name was Baker running things on the inside, even though other people thought they were in charge whenever there was something important that came up, he was definitely handling everybody. He was everybody's handler and they didn't even realize it. And what you also see throughout this Twitter thread is the FBI methodically just working over these Twitter employees like Yoel and those in his department, psychologically manipulating them, getting one foot in the door, two feet in the door, then all the way in the door, completely establishing their dominance over Yoel and others in there and, and taking control, making the, re- the slight resistance they gave initially just look, just paled in comparison to those FBI manipulation tactics. That's what was most interesting about it to me, that methodical, tact- those tactics they used, which I'm sure they use in many other areas uh, that they operate in as well. And it also helped their ability to establish control by doing things like go- going, hey, Yoel, you don't have security clearance, do you? Would you like to have security clearance? I bet you would. How about I give you security clearance and you also get to decide who at Twitter also gets to have security clearance? Would you like that? I bet you would. I can make that happen. And it helped their ability to control them by paying Yoel's group, which is a small number of those employees over there, $3.5 million to do what the FBI said. That's a nice little bribe there to get them to follow orders. 
So those are the takeaways, at least that I can remember off the top of my head. I'm sure there's others that Cam and I come to eventually uh, on the show, but this is a long one, so I just wanted to give you a little summary up front. Thank you for listening. I hope the Christmas season is going well, and now you will hear the introductory music. Well, over the holidays, the news cycle has completely centered on Elon Musk and his various activities. All all roads seem to lead to Elon Musk, and we are once again, again, once again, going to dive down that little rabbit hole of Elon Musk. You're listening to the Propaganda Reports Drive Time News Blast. Joining me today to talk about Elon and, and the Twitter files is Cam Harless, host of the Mad Ones podcast. We are going to go through the Twitter files again and. We'll read them, and we can do a playful reaction. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts. Neither one of us have read any of the most recent ones that came out today. It's like a flood. They continue to come out. It's almost like, let's just release them all at one time, bury them, and then so everybody can just forget all about that, and then we can move on to things. Because I, I honestly don't know what the broader impact of these will be, if there is really much of a broader impact at all other than the impressions the, the validation left on the minds of, of people like us who and, and you guys who knew that this stuff was going on at Twitter. What, what are your thoughts on that, Cam? Man, I I, I don't know. I, I, I did read the sixth Twitter files drop earlier just to kind of like we're on the seventh. I need to know what's in the sixth. And I don't know if you read them, but apparently – I'm a little disappointed you didn't listen to my reading of them. I know you, how you like for me to read you to sleep sometimes at night. That's true, but that's the thing. If you read them to me as I'm going to sleep, I don't hear all of them, and so I have to read them later to catch up. Uh, But, um, yeah, it was all about the FBI, uh, like, reporting joke tweets. Like, I mean, it was was something we knew happened, but like... Operation Mockingbird, just via social media companies, wide out in the open. It used to be a secret, now they're just... They do it wide openly. They control all the communication channels. That's what they try to do anyway. So, yeah. Okay, and if anybody's here in the chats, if you guys want to jump in and uh, comment, react to the, the Twitter files, then by all means do so. Before we dive into that, did you see the poll that Musk did on yeah. Twitter? Where he voted about whether he's going to step down as CEO or not, which I think right. that was – yeah. Yeah. He said he would abide by the poll, and I want to say when I looked at it, he it was like fifty seven percent of the people who took did the poll said they wanted him to quit, and I'm like, yeah, I yeah I don't know. I wonder about the uh, the results also, but I, I I think that that was probably his plan anyway. If I had to guess, he, how many companies does he have? You know, these people who are super well, rich they they don't usually they're usually the higher up because somebody asked him about that about Tesla. And he was like, how are you running Tesla? And he's like, well, I have all these other people that basically they're so good. It, it all works for me. So I, I, these super rich guys don't typically uh, stay in those positions. Like, I, like Howard Schultz of Starbucks. So 
He always steps down as CEO of Starbucks whenever it gets running smoothly again. And then when somebody yep. else he puts in there does something and, and it gets all like messed up again, he then temporarily steps back in as CEO and fixes things and then steps out again. And I'm wondering if there's, I'm wondering if this is because it feels like Eon, Eon, Elon wouldn't <laughs> have said that if he weren't planning on doing that already. I just don't believe that he was. My guess is that he probably didn't want to win that one. You know, because that would be yeah. a burden of a job to me if I had to. I would never want to do that job. Right. And I mean, that's the thing. Even if he didn't think for sure that people would vote him out, he like he knew that that was a thing and he was willing to go and probably wanted to. But like who who wants Parag back as C as CEO and running the joint? Well, I don't think like, they're going to bring him back. I think maybe they'll no, put that one I'm guy. Saying, though, like, yeah. who, what, what are these people voting for? They don't know who's going to replace him. The last yeah. person was this Parag dude. Like, what, what do they want? I don't, I don't know what they want out of this situation. Yeah, it would be very funny if he were to do one of those polls. He maybe get six candidates, uh, maybe narrow it down. They can have a, a primary season. They do the whole vote of all these candidates, and, and the people get to choose their their next CEO of Twitter. And that would be kind of funny. Now, he is definitely, I've been talking about this since the beginning. This has been more of an exercise, in my opinion, of getting, showing the value of the, the platform to investors and advertisers by showing how much engagement and, and how they can just hook people. And he, they're doing it through these Twitter files, through this storytelling fashion, trying to teasing, recapping, uh, well, next time on the Twitter files. So it's like the January 6th hearings we're trying to do, except it's in written form and on Twitter, on the platform itself. And I'm sure that the engagement is up, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see I where just, it goes. I just hope that see the best thing would be the hey who wants me to quit and then as soon as he loses he goes I I I'm going to abide by this and I'd like you to welcome the new CEO of Twitter uh, Donald John Trump yeah that would be a nice pick uh, Trump or <laughs> Kanye West yay mix yay the CEO <laughs> all right let's go through these and let's just I have no idea what's coming I don't even know who this guy is Michael Schellenberg I looked him up the other day I, I can't there's it's, I don't understand. I know these guys are all from Substack. Don't don't you? Are you? Is it Substack that they're on? Yeah, sub Substack, which is just like it's subscription buying a subscription to a single a journalist. Which I mean, like, cool, I guess. But also, who? Why would anyone want to do that? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't. I, mean, I don't know that I've ever been on on the platform. I think maybe uh, once or twice I linked to it. But this is Michael Schellenberger. And so Michael, I remember when Michael did his first round, they were very confusing to me because he's the only one that didn't include numbers on each of the ones. So you know, this is the beginning, this is the end. This time, he apparently got the memo a little bit after he started, and then he started numbering it, numbering them at number seven. So I'm starting where I think number one is, and I believe <laughs> that's going to be where he says, in Twitter files, say recapping last week on the Twitter files. We saw the FBI relentlessly seek to exercise influence over Twitter, including over its content, its users, its users, and its data. And then he goes on to the next one and says, In Twitter file 7, we present evidence pointing to an organized effort by representatives of the intelligence community, IC, aimed at senior executives at the news and social media companies to discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published, duh. Okay, so right, right there at the beginning, I'm already a little bit disappointed Did you because want this on the screen. What is it? Is it not up there? Uh -uh. Yeah, I'll put it up there. Oh my bad. Yeah, put it up there. <laughs> All right, so there we are. Now you see it. 
Yeah. So I, I'm a little bit. I get. I mean, we know that. And so what? That the value of that information to me is, and maybe it will come in handy some sometime, maybe over the holidays, is being able to to point to it when I'm talking to a progressive friend who has never heard of it and has believed and still believes it's like Russian disinformation. Being able to say, but they they showed that it was actually not that and they were colluding right. together and it's on Twitter and said, really I never saw it did you just fall over Cam no but my microphone came out of the thing <laughs> I couldn't see you on the screen because I have only have one monitor today and I was worried you had just taken a fall <laughs> yeah so and I guess that is valuable to be able to do that but I don't know I, I'm just you would like to see more concrete evidence. I know the Republicans are going to file a bunch of stuff when they win and, you know, when they get into power in January, but I just don't know what's going to come of all of this. Well, I guess we will find out. I will move on. As Cam gathers his microphone, we go on to number, well, I guess this is number three. The story begins in December, 2019 when a Delaware computer store own, owner named John Paul JP Mac Isaac, John Paul Mac Isaac. Is that his full, he's got four names or is that, John Paul Mac Isaac contacts the FBI about a laptop that Hunter Biden left with him. On December 9th, 2019, the FBI issues a subpoena, a subpoena for and takes the Hunter Biden laptop. Now, that, so that there, I, the piece, new piece of information for me is that that guy who had the laptop, the owner of the store, has four names. So you, you know, you get the three names with a lot of the, the Patsy situations. This guy has four names. So we know he's not a serial killer. No, At least. Just, I guess. I've never seen it. John Paul Mac Isaac. John Paul Mac that That's not even... This. You think people call him that during his every day? Hey, let's, let's give John Paul Mac Isaac a call, see what he's doing tonight. I'm looking up this person. All right. Next we have, by August 2020, Mac Isaac. So, all right. So in that first one, he calls him John Paul Mac Isaac and then gives the JP in parentheses as though he's going to be referring to him as JP the rest of the time. And then we get up here and he just refers to him as Mac Isaac. Come on, Schellingberger. As of 2020, Mac Isaac still had not heard back from the FBI, even though he had discovered evidence of criminal activity. And so he emails Rudy Giuliani, who was under FBI surveillance at the time. And then in early October, Giuliani gives it to, he gives the, um, the laptop to the New York Post. So the FBI didn't care, and then they did. That, so that's strange to me because it's that's almost sounds like it's either either the FBI presumed that nobody would care that that guy had that, or that he wouldn't go to anybody else, or that they allowed it to happen because maybe they wanted it to happen. I don't know. Old John Paul Mac Isaac. Yeah, God. JP JPMI. Shortly before seven p.m. on October thirteenth, Hunter Biden's lawyer George Mazires, like desires, but with an M. Very, very, he mazires me. Emails J.P. Mac Isaac. Hunter <laughs> and Mazires had just learned from the New York Post that its story about the laptop would be published the next day. And then there's an internal email here, or it's an image, a screenshot of the email. And it says, John Paul, thank you for speaking with me tonight. As I indicated, I'm a lawyer for Hunter Biden, and I appreciate you reviewing your records on this matter. George Mazires. Of course, of course, his lawyer would be named Mazires. And th so now Schellingberger actually has numbers now. So we're on mm -hmm. number seven. Mm -hmm. All right. At 9.22 p.m. Eastern time. Thank you. He clarifies it's 6.22 p.m. Pacific time. FBI yeah. Special Agent 
Elvis Chan, got old Elvis again, sends 10 documents to Twitter's then head of site integrity, Yoel Roth, through, tele- through Teleporter, a one-way communications channel from the FBI to Twitter. And the email says, so this guy always addresses Twitter as Twitter folks. Twitter folks, heads up, I will be sending a teleporter link for you to download 10 documents. It's not spam, exclamation point. Please confirm receipt when you get it. Thanks. Regards, Elvis Chan. So, so you see this on the screen there, Cam, where it has all that stuff. Elvis Chan, supervisory agent, squad, FBI, San Francisco. And then where it's redacted there, there's a whole block of stuff redacted. It's weird because the last batch of Twitter files, that was not redacted. And the, the bottom two lines, are, one of them is just him stating his pronouns. I don't know why oh, they would crap. block that out in this one, which, like I, I said in the last show, he should be ashamed of himself for not starting by stating his pronouns. They should never go last. <laughs> Everybody knows they're the most important thing in any conversation. I'm a she-shem. So You're what? A she-shem? A she-shem. I'm a seesaw. Those are my she And then uh, received and downloaded. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Number eight. The way these FBI agents talk to the Twitter people, I, you can tell that they just. I didn't like they, know that that this. Okay, so I didn't know this story came out on my birthday, or I didn't oh, remember did it? that it came out on my birthday. But apparently, it did. This was my birthday present in twenty twenty. Birthday present. You got this story, and then they they banned it, just like they did one of your accounts. <laughs> Dude, they 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 kicked me off of Twitter for twenty four hours the other day. Why? For because I said that quote unquote eat poop but the bad word and die is not a threat it's a taunt from schoolyards everywhere <laughs> and it, really you got what was the message you got saying you were suspended oh that it was um i don't know if it said targeted harassment or what but it was something along those lines did you target it at someone i i messaged at elon musk Oh, so you were telling Elon Musk to do that. I see. Oh, yeah. Well, so that, Elon Musk is Elon how... Musk is yeah, he's a dictator, but he's just one that people they they, they like. For well, he he puts the the vote to the Twitter people and he does react to people, you know, it, it, but when it comes down to it as of now, if he wants to do something, he's going to do it his way. And I like some of the stuff he's doing. Some of the stuff I'm not a big fan of, but I also think it's all some sort of weird psyop. So, but that's like everything. All right, so back to I'll show you my Brian Stelter tweet later in the show, Cam. That can be a tease. Oh, yeah, Brian yeah. Stelter liked a tweet of mine where I made fun of him the other day, and uh, I'll show it to you later. It's, it just eight. shows you how human he is. You know, I, I got to tell you, man. When when I saw that he liked it, I kind of felt a little bit bad for a second, and then I lo- clicked on his profile and saw all of the horrible lies he was still tweeting, and I was like. I don't feel bad at all anymore. <laughs> Number eight. The next day, October 14th, 2020, Cam's birthday, the New York Post runs it, its explosive story revealing the business dealings of President Joe Biden's son, Hunter. Every single fact in it was accurate, says Schellenberger. Number nine. And yet within hours, Twitter and other social media companies censor the New York Post article, preventing it, preventing it from spreading and, more importantly, undermining its credibility in the minds of many Americans. Why is that? What exactly happened? Schellenberger asked. Then number 10. On December 2nd, Matt Taibbi described the debate inside Twitter over its 
decision to censor a wholly accurate article. Since then, we have discovered new info that points to an organized effort by the Intel community to influence Twitter and other platforms. All right, so we're 10 in, and all I feel like is Schellenberger has done as basically a recap and and storytelling narrative structure here, just trying to suck us in to whatever. I mean, if he's going to get to the meat of any new new stuff, I'd like to get to it. Number yeah, eleven. Well, let me just. What was the the whole? Uh, what was I going to say? The wholly accurate article that uh, there's no such thing. Right. Yeah, that's a weird way to put it. That all, everything is completely one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That, that Sorry, always makes yeah, there, there was something else I was going to say, but I forgot what it was. <laughs> uh, just let me know if you remember it, and we'll we'll stop. Yeah. Number eleven. Look at the look at these guys' glasses on screen here. <laughs> like, Isn't it great that what we once considered like disgusting uh, child molester glasses are like the thing now? And I don't know what this thing he's wearing is either. This is an odd outfit this man has on. Is that Schellenberger? Who is that? I don't know. Let's see what the – maybe it'll tell us here. First, it's important to understand that Hunter Biden earned tens of millions of dollars in contracts with foreign businesses, including ones linked to China, China's government, for which Hunter offered no real work. Here's an overview by investigative journalist Peter Schwizer. So I'm not going to listen to all of that, but we'll see. We'll give it 30 seconds. Well, what we know is that the Biden family uh, has benefited from commercial deals overseas uh, to the tune of tens of millions of dollars. Uh, that's not in dispute. That's based on um, the so-called suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department has re- released because a U.S. Uh, Senate committee asked for it. These documents show the flow of funds um, from Russian, Ukrainian, and Chinese sources, among others. So we know there's been a flow of funds. Yeah, that's what he said, it sounds like. We also know that the people sending that money uh, have very close relationships with the government. So in the case of China, for example, which I believe is the most troubling of the the group of foreign donors, um, you can actually look on the Hunter Biden laptop and find the businessmen who secured these deals uh, for Hunter Biden. Uh, There are four gentlemen that are named. Um, If you look at those four gentlemen, each and every one of them has close ties to the highest levels of Chinese intelligence. So, for example, one gentleman who he calls the super chairman, uh, at the same time that Hunter Biden secures a deal with him that translates into about $20 million, that same Chinese businessman is business partners with the vice minister of state security in China. Okay, that's all great, and I'll, I will watch the rest of that later. See if there's anything there there that's that's useful. I just I don't know what I don't, I just feel like this is just a story being told to make me and others like like me and like you who knew this stuff all along. And I know I keep saying this, but it feels more and more like that. If you hear dogs barking, that's because there must have been a leaf fly, fly by in front of the door, and they are attacking it through the door, making sure no more leaves come by because they don't like that. But I just, I just feel like it's placating us almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I like I it. Mean, I'm glad it's out there, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, if something comes of it, then I would. None uh, of this is groundbreaking. All of this is stuff we knew. I know it's not. None of it. So there's always like at least for me, like one or two things that make me go, oh, well, that's something that's even a little bit further than I thought would happen. Although 
the, the basic concept of it is not any different. It's just, I don't know, a couple of surprising things, but not, not anything real groundbreaking yet, in my opinion. Now, if, if people, if all of our liberal and Democrat friends were reading these things and they were getting their minds blown by it and changing their mind on it, then that would be cool. But I don't think that's going to happen. And, and like, I'll save some of that other stuff later because I, I was about to go off on a tangent on something else, but that would have completely derailed <laughs> us. So number 12. And yet, during all of 2020, the, F- and the FBI and other law enforcement agencies repeatedly primed Yoel Roth to dismiss reports of Hunter Biden's laptop as a Russian hack and leak operation. This is from a sworn declaration by Roth given in December 2020. And the attached image says, since 2018, I have had regular meetings with the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, the Department of Homeland Security, the FBI, and industry peers regarding election security. So everything in that little document there was already in one of the earlier Twitter files in their internal communication. So this is the same thing, just from a different source. And then it says on this court document, during the weekly meetings, the federal law enforcement agencies communicated that they expected hack and leak operations by state actors uh, – might occur in the period shortly before the 2020 election, likely in October. That's the same thing Zuckerberg told Joe Rogan on that interview that they told Facebook also. I was told in these meetings that intelligence community expected that individuals associated with political campaigns would be the subject to hacking attacks and that materials obtained through these hacking attacks would likely be disseminated over social media platforms, including Twitter. The expectation of the hack hack and leak operations were... Discussed throughout 2020, also learned that these meetings, that there were rumors of a hack and leak operation that would involve Hunter Biden. So, I mean, that, that's interesting to me, the, the little bit of detail, but not that. It's just that the, the subtle manipulation tactic the FBI was using on him. So we talk about people who are in on it, you know, and then we talk about people who are true believers because they've been primed and, and worked kind of like that. And I, I think they probably targeted people like Yoel uh, because of his the personality type that they thought might be an easy person to be able to lead the charge on some of this. And that that's this, that they're if the FBI is ever reaching out to you, I think, and you know, especially that you're talking to the FBI and they're, they're clearly priming you for something. Then right. uh, for me, that would raise my suspicions about what they were doing, but I guess it did not. I guess it just kind of sucked them in to their propaganda net there. And, and exactly as I was just mentioning a moment ago. So now, now I'm just predicting what these Twitter files are going to be. Number 13, <laughs> they did the same thing to Facebook, according to Mark Zuckerberg. The FBI basically came out and told us, hey, you should be on high alert. We thought there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. There's about to be some kind of dump similar to that. Uh, so that tactic of having that demonized enemy you know, that they built up around the 2016 election and Trump and everything was Russia's fault, and then they just started blaming everything on Russia. It, it, as ridiculous to us as it seems, it just gets put into the unconscious minds of these people who buy into it and don't question it, and then it just becomes that easy go-to that you can prevent anybody from looking at any tor- sort of information if you tell them first or taking it seriously that it, it's a Russian leak. Which is like, it's weird, you know, it's, it's, it, if something, even if Russia, and, and none of this was from Russia, right, but it, if somebody you know killed somebody, and you got a video showing you that this person killed somebody, and that video came from Russia, that person still killed somebody, and it's still a crime to kill somebody. You don't say, oh, well, the murderer gets to walk free because it was Russia that revealed the information. But right. It's just the logic doesn't make any sense. 
it's not the first time we've heard that. It's kind of like when they, um, obviously, well, I mean, regardless of how you feel about Julian Assange, um, you, the, the information that came out, uh, on WikiLeaks about the DNC, where all that Pizzagate stuff came from right before the 2016 election and right. any number of other things that Wiki WikiLeaks leaked, they would always talk about like, you, Oh, I, you can't, you can't use this information. This isn't good information because it was stolen. Who cares know, right? how the cares information was, uh, was right, right. acquired? I don't care. Is it true? My, Your Honor, my, my client pleads not guilty for the rape and murder of 40 people on the grounds that that information was revealed by Russia. Dismissed. So we have Cornelius Wolfshirt saying in the chats here, it's okay to let this truth out now. They have already moved on, brewing up the next thing while we sort it out. I mean, that's definitely, definitely. I, what, what that next thing is, specifically, I, I, right now, I, I don't know. I, I, my suspicion is that it, you know, I, I think that we're on this path towards some sort of hybrid World War III. I think we're probably already in, in it in, in a certain way. I don't think it's going to look anything like World War II or I, but I, I, maybe that we're getting pushing push closer and closer to that, and who knows? This whole Twitter thing that's going on right now could very well somehow lead to actually more censorship, or maybe Twitter just gets goes down altogether and it's gone because if they can't control something, they're going to get rid of it for the most part. Right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. All right, number what were we just on? We're in the mark. We don't need to watch Mark's. Let, let, actually, let's listen to Mark Zuckerberg just because he's so weird for a second. The background here is the FBI, I think, basically came to us, uh, some, some folks on our team, and was like, hey, um, just so you know, like, you should be on high alert. There was the, we, we thought that there was a lot of Russian propaganda in the 2016 election. We have it on notice that basically there's about to be some kind of dump of, of um, uh, uh, that's similar to that. The background. So, okay, so my problem with that is... The stuff from 2016 was BS. It, yes. it was all, I mean, it was just, it's like, there's nothing there. Yeah. Uh, and is he just stupid? Or he doesn't have time because he's the CEO of Meta, Facebook, to look into all of that, but to, to buy all of that wholesale. So they come to you and say, oh, well, we remember all that horrible stuff that happened to Russia in 2016. And to say, yeah, no, I definitely remember how awful that was. You just got to, you got to be completely oblivious to, to do that. Absolutely. I mean, this is what my response would be. Now, I remember you guys made all that stuff up and now you're, you're making it up again. If that's, I mean, that's, and maybe he does. Maybe they, he's so naive. Yeah. They, they used easily the most clearly fake story, the, uh, the dossier for like four, for four or five years. And right. no one questioned it. Yeah, yeah. No, like, totally. The, right. The people still believe it. People still believe it was like this big man and that Trump is a Russian agent and everything. A couple of comments here. We have Zach who says, yo, I missed you guys. Been dialing back my news intake. And, you know, I, I, I got I, – if anyone dials back their news intake, I, I, I've said on the show before, I'm like, look, this is how, this is how you know, I make a living. But sometimes it's good to take a break from the news and just go get outside and get away from – so I totally support – cleansing your mind of that and hopefully we can make it entertaining and lighthearted enough to where it's uh other other reasons other than just the news to come to it i so when i read the rock fan comments 
the I can see that the video stream it's like a little bit behind our stream. So every time I look over at the Rockfin comments, I can see myself just waving my arms around like a like just a monkey <laughs> when I get all jacked up and I, passionate. I stop about it something. on my end, so I don't have to see that. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, no. One of my friends, well, actually, my buddy Josh, who does the the, the impersonations, did the Trump the other day. He, uh, yeah. he, he. So he has impersonations of everybody, and when of all of our friends, and he'll do them, and and just every, every now and then I'll go, hey, you know that I know you also have an impersonation. I know that you do an impersonation of me, and I know that it involves me waving my hands around like a lunatic when I get past <laughs> Just so you know. And he was like, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. So, <laughs> Uh, all right, let's continue on with the stuff that we, for the most part, knew. Were the FBI warnings of a Russian hack and leak operation relating to Hunter Biden based on any new intel? No, they weren't. Through our investigations, we did not see any similar competing intrusions to what happened in 2016, admitted FBI agent Elvis Chan. Well, what happened God, that, in 2016? That name. How does he have that name? I don't know. I, I I know that Elon at one point tweeted Elvis is in the building when he linked to Matt Taibbi's thing, which on the surface maybe you're saying, oh, Matt Taibbi is Elvis? Or maybe he's referring to Elvis being featured in the Twitter 6 files and Twitter 7 files. And Elvis Chan says in this deposition, it looks like, Mr. Sir, S-U-R, objection. And so far as the answer calls for law enforcement privilege information, what, what is this? Did he say what this was, this document here? <laughs> he just puts a, a, a legally document. Then, like, what is this freaking document we're looking at? I don't know what this is. It's clearly some sort of it's, – it's made to look like a legal document because you have to do these legal documents in this way. If you do even one thing wrong with them, they'll get thrown out. That's why yeah. in law school, if you messed up the format of your legal brief that you presented – and like anything, one little thing, it can have nothing to do with the content. You fail. Yeah. It was very stressful because that was the part <laughs> I was not good at is, is the formatting of the friggin' computer. And all right, so I, I don't know. It, it's this guy. We're hacking dump, dump operations discussed at these meetings or hack and leak operations. What is, so there's a difference? And he says, yes, they were. What's a hack and dump versus a hack and leak? This is weird. It's gross. Tell me what, they were, what was discussed about, about them at these meetings. Answer. The content of the hack and dump is what was the FBI and the CISA doing to prevent the hack and dump operations. CISA is that cybersecurity infrastructure agency. And then they say, so the FBI, so from the FBI side, I think we already, I already relayed to, relayed to you that we had the Protective Voices Initiative. What does that mean? I can't remember the specifics, but CISA is also discussed, also discussed its cybersecurity awareness efforts as well as grants efforts with the state, country, and local level election officials. So they're going to be trying to control the elections is what that's about. Did anyone at these meetings talk to industry participants to expect a Russian hack and dump operation or hack and leak, leak operation? Could you just define these two words? They, here's what they're, this is like a, a sick joke. They got me reading hack. There's a difference in hack and well, dump and hack and leak operations. I would assume that hack and dump would be a lot like what uh, WikiLeaks is. Where they get all the information, all oh, they right. put the yeah, information right. out there. People can search for it. Whereas leak would be like you they give just, it to slowly piss the, it all over you, right? You give it on. You give it to Schellenberger and Tybee and uh, <laughs> right, yeah. uh, Barry Vi Vi Weiss, and um, you you let them leak it slowly. I think that's probably what we're talking about. I think you're probably right there. It's very good uh, astute observation there. And let's see if there's anything in any of this. 
I'm not going to read all of this. This looks, this looks like a deposition that Elvis Chan did with somebody. And that, that seems to be what it is. I don't know where or when this happened, but if you want, there's 175 pages of that deposition. So there's a lot more than just that portion of it. Number 15, indeed, I would actually like to read through that whole document because I bet yeah. there might be actually some interesting information in that the totality of that thing. Indeed, Twitter executives repeatedly reported very little Russian activity. E.g., on September 24, 2020, Twitter told FBI it had removed 345 largely inactive accounts linked to previous, previous coordinated Russian hacking attempts. They had little reach and low follower accounts. Okay. That was another thing about the Twitter File 6 is they removed a bunch of accounts for – some of them were jokes, and they had like no – hardly any followers, and the tweets that they made that were jokes, like no – they had zero likes on them. Yeah. Pathetic. Hi, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Elvis. We hope you're well. Uh, so, just, so the setting of this email says update on Russian accounts. And this is from Twitter to Elvis, I guess. We want you to know about actions we plan to publicly announce in the next hour. Are you aware we are working with you and Facebook to permanently suspend accounts we can reliably attribute to Russia? Thank you for your ongoing cooperation and information sharing. I, I guess this is from – I don't know who this is from. Lost audio. No, I can hear you echoing in the background. We are removing two distinct networks of accounts which we can reliably attribute to state-linked entities in Russia. Our investigations are ongoing. The first network, to totaling 345, were largely inactive and linked to previously coordinated hacking attempts from Russia. Most of the content shared by these accounts expressed views designed to advance Russian geopolitical interests. The second network which was 10 accounts purported to be associated with a website called United World International, which publishes a range of content about global and U.S. political issues and links to the World United will be blocked on Twitter. And then it says these accounts had little included. This enforcement action had little reach and little follower account. We knew all that. I mean, we knew all that. Are you back, Cam? Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Just keep rolling with it. You're saying, Jack yeah, says totally stuff out. much better audio here than on. Uh, uh, well, what's go? So what's is the audio and the ones I, I do alone? Does it uh, is it too high, Rob? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, let me know in the chat if there's something that because um, I do. I I put the audio sometimes. I put it through a a program that's supposed to help make it sound better. That might be because I don't do that on these. Maybe that program sucks that I'm using. Thank you for that. Actually, thank you for saying that, Rob. I want to check that out. Jack says the problem is all these points are mute by the time they re – yeah, exactly. If, any, if an FBI agent in 2022 can say what happened in 2016 when nothing happened, then they're literally writing false history in real time. I mean, yeah, I think that this is just – it's almost like a pat on the head this feels like. You were right. Great job. Number – what was that? Oh, wait. We're back to 16. In fact, Twitter debunked false claims by journalists of foreign influence on this platform, on its platform, and, and it says, we haven't seen any evidence to support that claim. And this is by NBC account, I guess, of uh, foreign controlled bots. We haven't seen any evidence to support that claim by foreign controlled bots. Our review thus far shows a small scale domestic troll effort. And then there's a couple of linked images. Part article. All right, and there's another one showing – oh, of course. Look at this linked image here. White nationalist group posing as Antifa called for violence on Twitter. 
What? Of course, they're going to throw that in there. Little, can are you with us? I don't know. Can you hear me? I can hear you. It sounded a little bit odd. It was high pitched or something. Can you and hear, I can hear hello? Yeah, and I can hear myself in the background a little bit just by a hair. And devil. <laughs> yeah, I'll keep going and you can tweak that. Number 17. After FBI asked about a WAPO story on alleged foreign influence in a pro Trump tweet, tw- Twitter's Roth says the article makes a lot of insinuations, but we saw no evidence that that was the case here. And in fact, a lot of strong evidence pointing in the other direction. Uh, okay. And it links the internal email here. Hi, Elvis. That, you're, that, you're right, man. That name annoys. This person is not Elvis. At least somebody named their kid Elvis and he becomes an FBI agent. I can't. Maybe Elvis was an FBI agent or CIA agent. Who, who knew? Although I really liked Elvis, so I hope not. Hi, Elvis. I came across the following article in the Washington Post that referenced Twitter's removal of the account uh, due to the due to policy violations. According to the article, on the eve of the Republican National Convention, prominent African Americans challenged allegations of racism against President Trump and retweeted the following message twenty two thousand times. Furthermore, the message amassed thirty nine thousand. Uh, like within 19 hours after it was posted. And then the quote says, I've been a Democrat my whole life. I joined BLM protest months ago when they began. They opened my eyes. I didn't realize. I became a Marxist. (laughs) It happened without me knowing it. I'm done with this trash. I'll be registering Republican. At at that time of the suspension, what uh, was Twitter able to attribute the account and any of its activity to any particular country in addition to the aforementioned account or any other suspended account post similar messages related to the convention the upcoming 2020 u.s election thank you in advance and it said the next one says hi elvis thanks for checking in i can confirm that the account in question is domestic in origin the article makes a lot of insinuations about foreign interference but we saw no evidence that was the case here and in fact a lot of strong evidence pointing to in the opposite direction and that's actually yoel saying that so that's interesting to me so you know, that tweet was kind of hilarious. The, the, the part where, where it said, I joined the BLM, the, the, the protests for George Floyd, then BLM, and I became a Marxist and now I'm fed up. I mean, that's a really quick, rapid turnaround that somebody might have of you know, falling into Marxism. But we've all seen those copy and paste messages that Indivisible and all these other groups send out where it's Democrats – doing the same thing, pretending to be Republicans, saying absolutely ridic- ridiculous messages about being Republicans. Like, like saying, Liz Cheney's a, pr- I'm a, I'm a right-wing conservative, and Liz Cheney's the strongest woman in this country, and Donald, it's stuff like, it's just so blatantly not a, a natural thing anybody would ever post. And then you copy and paste it, and you see a hundred other accounts doing the same thing. This isn't domestic interference, I mean foreign interference. This, these are activists groups is what these are and surely they know that right i mean they have to know that that's what that's what activist groups all you gotta do is join one of these freaking activist groups and your inbox will be flooded with messages telling you to tweet this stuff out and i know that you're in that uh facebook group now where you can go and see uh what's his name progressive cam bizarro cam and the truth can you hear me yes now i can hear you thank god yeah 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 yeah, no, that's the most boring Facebook group of all time. That must be their loser brigade. 
because there's nothing that comes there. There are barely likes on their posts in there. Like it's almost, it's, it's not a truth burger. It's a nothing burger, right? It's a nothing burger, but that's what it is. So these activist groups, they train people convincing, here's how you're going to like fight for the truth and fight for what's right. And, and to help people get to the truth and to help, you know, you be an independent critical thinker, what you're going to do is you're going to spread this exact message that I'm telling you to spread and all of you are going to spread it in collective fashion. It's the exact opposite of actually thinking and, and doing anything individualistic. And they're like, okay, I'll be an individual. Let me just say what I'm told to say. And why doesn't anyone ever just do a, or everyone do a Twitter mass exodus says Cornelius Wolf shirt. And, and people just have a hard time quitting Twitter, uh, even the celebrities who have tried to direct people to uh, this websites nobody's ever heard of, Mastodon. Well, Mastodon's not a bad one. There's the uh, Tumblr they've been directing them to. Like, like they're really going to gather a, a large following of their on Tumblr. People, I think there's probably a lot of porn everywhere on Tumblr, if I had to guess. The, the news, because journalists use it, Twitter, so heavily, there's a lot of breaking news that you can find on Twitter faster than any... Uh, news publication that puts it out and that's why a lot of the journalists stay on twitter is because of that rapid uh you know rapid propaganda delivery that they can be put directly into our minds is we need our propaganda and we need it quickly it's probably for the why people stick around twitter and you can just fight like people love to fight with each other and this it is a great and divide and conquer network that's for sure i just like to make jokes on it and a lot of people like to make jokes, but you can't make jokes, Cam, because jokes are – well, they're disinformation, and they're building Google bots to try and sense, try and sense sarcasm. So you can't even – in, in a future where they control, you wouldn't be able to do that, which is going to be weird. The, the news and, and late-night shows already sound the same anyway, and neither are funny. Actually, the news is probably funnier if you look at it as a joke. Number 18, it's not the first time that Twitter's Roth has pushed back against the FBI. Oh, so Roth, who was, a, who was the bad guy early on in the Twitter files, emerging as a better guy Ooh. in these. And January, this, this is the guy who had all the accusations about the, the weird sex stuff. And, and you know, I don't even want to get into that. But he did, he, you know what he seems like to me? He seems like the, uh, somebody who's compromised, who the FBI and CIA could easily control. It kind of seems like yep. that to me. In January 2020, Roth resisted FBI efforts to get Twitter to share data outside of the normal search warrant process. And then they got a couple of attached emails here. And hi, redacted name. My colleagues at the Fort had a, uh, a query for you. I've provided it to you below. A few years ago, Twitter said they would not, they would no longer provide their data feed to members of the IC, intelligence community. My colleagues wanted to know if that policy has changed or if you would be willing to change it. My colleagues are currently contacting with, uh, contracting with a vendor for an analytic tool for open source intelligence, open Twitter data feed. However, the feed was disabled because the vendor said they did not want to violate their terms of service with Twitter. My colleagues are wondering if Twitter would be open to revising its terms of service to allow this vendor to continue having access to the Twitter feed. My colleagues are happy to meet in person to discuss this issue. This is Elvis. That was that Elvis guy. What kind of message is that? He keeps saying my colleagues and I. This, this guy's. I mean, I'm picturing like a man in black with this Elvis guy with the way that he's speaking. And then at the end, he says, I hope you have a great holiday season. He should have said, my colleagues and I hope you have a great holiday season. <laughs> that would have been. And, and then I just uh, can't get 
the the dude's name is Elvis Chan, and he speaks so strangely on, on all of these messages. He's like not a person. It's weird. Maybe he's not a person. I mean, he speaks like a bot. <laughs> and then the response from EOL probably should have been, "Are you a bot?" That was a weird message. But he actually said, "Hey." And then for some reason it's uh, blacked out again. As discussed, here's my suggested response. Of course, feel free to tweak, edit. But I tried to, to hit on all the major points. This is from Yoel. He says, at this point, we don't think a call directly with your colleague at the fort. What is your colleague at the fort? Does that, that sound like the, the most the deep, statey? I, I don't know. That's to be some sort of CIA thing or FBI thing. It's very, it's very deep, statey is what it sounds like. Um, uh, with your colleague at the fort is the best path forward. As a rule, we're not able to directly discuss data licensing relationships with third parties, such as custom customers of our data's customers. Interesting. Both due to the co- confidentiality reasons and, and limited information on our end about the business decisions that may have led one of our customers to decline to provide services to the government. We have also a longstanding policy prohibiting the use of data products and APIs for, surve- for surveillance and intelligence gathering purposes, which we would not deviate from. Ultimately, we want to be good partners to the government and help combat our shared threats. But the best path for NSA or any part of the government to request information about Twitter users or their content is in accordance with the valid legal process. So NSA is who they were, their, their colleagues must be. You think that's what – because that has to be who they're talking about. Probably. I, I don't know. This is, I just this want to know what the fort is. You looking that up? I'm trying to find it. It's just taking me to FBI cases in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, the fort, and it took you to FBI cases in Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> Maybe they're all in Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> all right. Could be. Number one. We are on number... All right, number 19. So wait, how did he push back? He just said that it was... That they... It, he was trying to explain that they really don't want to share all that data. Oh, well, that's get, against their policy to share all that data. Nice. And then number 19, pressure had been growing. We have seen a sustained, if uncoordinated, effort by the intelligence community to push us to share more info and change our API policies. They are probing and pushing everyone they can, including by whispering to congressional staff. So, and so the reason I read these screen images that they put in there because I know sometimes it's confusing depending on which one of these guys on Twitter is doing this. Sometimes they'll put an image and then the next three tweets will be breaking that image down. Other times they'll put an image and then they won't actually tell you what's in the image they put. It'll just be kind of a brief summary. And then when you read the image, that's where I've actually found the stuff that was interesting to me. A lot of it is just technical talk and nonsense, but I've found the stuff that has been made me kind of raise an eyebrow the most in those. So if you're wondering why I was going into the minutia of that, that's why. And here is this particular email to Yoel from, it looks like, Carlos Monet, I guess. I definitely, I definitely agree with the caution here. We have seen this sustained attack. as part I just read. They are probing and pushing everywhere they can, including by whispering to congressional staff. We, sh- we should stay connected and keep a solid front against these efforts. My sense from the exchange below is that Elvis is sending a message. <laughs> he was asked to, but that he doesn't feel ownership of it. And a polite discussion will suffice to answer the mailer. So I, I guess he's referring to him talking about his colleagues. So Elvis was saying, these are my colleagues, which I'm assuming is the NSA, who are pressuring us to pressure you. And I'm just speculating here. And then he goes on to say that, 
Do we know which commercial provider is being referenced here by Clues Offer? Do we feel like there's an additional guidance we can give to the companies that could help clarify our rules to minimize their efforts to point back at our API rules when they feel pressured from, pressure from governments? So it, se- it seems that Data Miner has gotten the message clearly, but we keep getting additional queries from elsewhere. So it seems like they're trying to protect their corporate partners the most here. So it's C- like they're... CYA. Yeah, do I? CYA. CYA. What's that? Cover your... Oh, cover your ass. Yes, of course. Ass. Cover your ass. (laughs) Cornelius Wolfshirt says, we should assume all our defects until proven flesh. I think this is a pretty good policy. We're going to come to a future where we're we're, we're going to experience a deepfake long before we ever know it was a deepfake. Because the way that they're going to test deepfakes, I'm sure I've talked about this before, is the whole purpose of a deep fake is to trick people into thinking it's real and you need a live audience. I talked about the Chinese, the South uh, Korean president, the president's race where they literally elected a deep fake. They've tried this in other instances. They're not going to test it in a lab and one day come out and say, we have perfected a new deep fake and you can't tell and then show it to us because that would prime us to see a deep fake. So they will put one out there probably for like a few years and then later, years later, they'll say, oh yeah, we fooled you with a deep fake president for like eight years. That's kind of how I think it's going to play out. <laughs> well, what's funny is like most things, like technological things that are, you know, grown like that and made better are always first like beta tested in the porn world for some reason. Oh, wow. So like the deep fakes really did it. Did, they did a lot of work on deep fakes in that, that world. Yeah, yeah. And they had, to, they, uh, the, there's plenty of lawsuits. Taylor Swift's like, "Hey, I didn't make that. That's not me." Right. And you know, that's kind of messed up. It's totally that's right. But up. that's yeah. that's that where the, sense, the testing yeah. will be. I, I guarantee it. Right. Uh, so Zach says, "Did you cover in depth the Maker DAO swimmer?" I did. I'm not sure what that is. Are you familiar with that, Cam? Maker what? Says uh, Maker DAO swimmer. I'm not sure what that is. Uh, yeah. No, I don't think I did. But I would like, I am interested in what it is though. All right, where were we at? We're going to number 20 now. Time and again, FBI asked Twitter for evidence of foreign influence, and Twitter responds that they aren't finding anything worth reporting. We haven't yet identified activity that we typically refer to you for, or even flag as interesting in the foreign intelligence context. And there's a long message there. Um, at this stage, my team's findings have largely been US based trolling groups. Actually, I am going to go through this, even if it is a bit much because we continue to closely monitor the situation we haven't seen anything in line with senator rubio's tweet whatever that was we've heard that the tweet may have been based on a miscommunication between the senate intelligence community and graphica who they employ for narrative analysis and investigation see that's an interesting piece of information right there that marco rubio or no the senate intelligence committee and graphica and it's a company that they employ for narrative analysis. So narrative analysis is trying to figure out like how to like best appeal to specific different groups telling stories and all that. Like that. So that's a thread I want to pull on Graphica. It's almost like they leave these little things in here to see if people find them. Just like little Easter eggs. This freaking con artist, man. <laughs> but we haven't gotten any specifics. At this stage, my team's findings have largely been that US-based trolling groups are behind some of the on-platform violative activity and misleading information that we've seen. While much of it violates our term of service, we have yet to identify activity we typically refer to you 
or even flagged as interesting in the foreign intelligence context. And then it goes on. We're still investigating some of the new developments this morning involving anonymous, such as O Death Eaters, Op Death Eaters, which has been focused on a resurfacing of the old of old Jeffrey Epstein related court documents. How is that disinformation resurfacing old Jeffrey Epstein documents? That, that's these are there's like court documents. I went through these like seven years ago. There's some people who went through them when they came out, like in 2006. It's just like anything they don't like, it, we're just going to go ahead and flag it as probably Russian operations. Thanks. Hi, Elvis and team. Wanted to briefly follow up on our first review and apologize for any confusion. Here, a tooling bug on our end resulted in one account's not being correctly enrolled in our authenticity checks, and it's why you saw saw it stay in the online events. And okay, I mean, the whole basis here is that this the the bureau is is, is controlling all of this stuff. They're just controlling, yeah. trying to control uh, what happens on these social media platforms, and, and we can, should assume that. Can I just say that the anonymous being so dorky? As to call themselves the Death Eaters is the least surprising thing I've ever heard in my life. Because that's from Harry Potter. Those oh, are the bad guys in Harry Potter. Right. Well, yeah, they use a lot of these. I think there's some other movie references, maybe even Harry Potter references in some of these things. We have <sighs> nerds. Old Rich says, I'm on a vacation trying to figure mm-hmm. out this Rockfin, Rockfin deal. It's very interesting. Are, are you on the the app? Old Rich, is that we're trying to figure out? I know they've had that in the past. They've had some issues with their app. I don't know. I think I haven't used the app much, so I'm not quite sure because I usually use it through the website. But we'll move on to number twenty-one. Despite Twitter's pushback, the FBI repeatedly requests information from Twitter that Twitter has already made clear it will not share outside of normal legal channels. Okay, so it's just definitely an interesting thing here. We've definitely seen. So the first few batches of Twitter files definitely painted these employees at Twitter as being part of the bad guys. And now we're seeing a redemption arc for some of these employees like Yoel through this, this latest Twitter files. So I wonder how they're going to steer this, the, the reputation. I mean, it's just like a movie, you know, you've, you're villainized and you overcome and, and uh, that's, that's interesting. Not that they shouldn't do that. I'm just saying like, if they were going to tell something about Yoel or whoever, I feel like they should have put the good stuff with the bad. You know what I mean? Because that that's like an every human person. But although he does have that weird – a lot of weird old tweets, it's just weird to me because it seemed like they very clearly were kind of painting this guy as a villain. And now they seem to be doing the opposite with him and some of these other guys. And that, that and that's a choice of the structure that they're delivering this information. This is from Yoel. And he says, sorry about the, de- the delay. In terms of VOIP usage, Twitter requires people registering an account to confirm either an email address or a phone number. And in the course of using Twitter, we may require account holders to confirm a phone number if we detect suspicious activity, blah, 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 blah. Um, as for the VPN information, after consulting with redacted person, we need legal processes to provide further information about IP. So they're talking about gathering information on specific accounts, uh, replying, and that's some of the pushback. It, he's just stating the policies to the FBI. M- my guess is that some of these interactions they're having with the FBI, well, that was July 13th, 2020. So uh, these are probably some of the first interactions that they had with the FBI. And as they, they were kind of working them in and moving like further and further, that um, they probably started 
just giving them whatever they wanted. So I think we probably saw the later interactions first, which we did. Yeah. Because they, they had interactions that even after Musk obtained the company. So as late as November of this or October and early November of this year, and now we're seeing them from 2020. So this is the beginning of their relationship. So what we're seeing here is in reverse the the way the FBI just gets their fingers in and just slowly works these people. That's, that's what I'm learning. Is this, how is – I just don't know how this is even a Twitter files post so far. It's it's very weak, man. Like the reason I even I wasn't gonna do these again, but like the reason I want to do them again is because I saw just a a couple of posts. And I didn't read all of them. I didn't have time. Um, saying talking about how this was the you know like the biggest one yet, and I should have known that was just hyperbole. <laughs> Definitely should have known that because I'm not impressed by these yet. This is just this is maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it is to make them be unimpressive. To you know completely just when you have negative information you you put it out there if you can't contain it you put it out there in a way where you can bury it and maybe this is what they're doing right now to where it doesn't have an effect because i mean none of this stuff is like surprising or or whatever number 22 then in july 2020 god this freaking mouse just keeps moving then in july 2020 the FBI's Elvis Chan arranges for temporary top security clearance for Twitter executives so that the FBI can share information about threats to the upcoming elections. All right, and it says, since I brought since I brought up security clearance during our call, I think I don't think we have anyone at Twitter who has a permanent security. Cl- okay, so this is like a bribe. I don't think there's anyone who has a permanent security clearance. Correct me if I'm wrong. This is from Elvis, by the way, to Yoel. What I would propose is that 30 days out from the election, we get you temporary clearances. So in the, in the previous show on this, I, I said, I was like, I have a feeling they were making some, some carrot and stick promises to Yoel. It feels to me like they were talking him up, making him feel like he was a good guy, maybe flying him out, giving him something. And, and I think that's where this starts right here. And it says, you get to pick who they would be. Let me know what you think. That is a... That is a very, I mean, to me, blatant manipulation tactic by the FBI. Because if you read the comp, the, there's, there's a bunch of different ways. I think one of them is mice that the CIA, the FBI, they have these strategies for compromising people or for gaining control over them. And this is one of them is find somebody who looks like they might be a little bit enticed by the thought of having power that they can kind of show off. And here he is saying, you know what? Not even going to worry about all those other emails we've been talking about. I feel like you need some security clearance. And we're going to give it to – you're going to be in charge. You're going to get it, and we're going to let you choose who of your friends gets to have security clearance. Would you like that power? Maybe he would. We'll tell you about the aliens. We'll tell you about them. Right. Yeah, exactly. You just give us access to tw- all of Twitter's files. All you, you know that. All you know the, totally, dude. So you know the in-person conversations they had? They probably had a few. It, it honestly wouldn't surprise me if there was some sexpionage going on through some of this. But you notice the, the title here um, or the email subheading said security clearances. So it's very specific. So, oh, wow, they're going to give me security clearances. They're bribing this guy. That's what they're doing. Number 23, on October 11th, 2020, the FBI's Chan shares information with Twitter's Roth relating to the Russian hacking organization. APT28 through the FBI's secure one-way communication channel on Teleporter. So that was uh, on the 11th. Apartment 28? 
<laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I guess that is apartment 28. Yeah. So we, I want to see the teleporter documents. Russian hacking or, or organization? I guess so. Maybe Are they local? The, Why would they call themselves apartment? I'm sure that's not the word in uh, Russian. I, I don't know. I guess these groups have weird names sometimes, or maybe they made it up. Maybe the FBI made it up. Documents wrote on here. So now the implication that they're making that Schellenberger's making and is that the previous one, well, Yoel Roth was pushing back, and then in July they offered them security clearance and more power, and then in August he started giving them what they wanted. I think that's a little bit. There's there's like a whole month period there. I, I think that's what they're trying to imply. I think that's a bit of a leap in logic. Uh, uh, there's some other steps there. I mean, I don't doubt that they were giving them what they wanted, and because of that exchange, you know, they could threaten to take that security clearance away at any time. And we have, uh, oh, says your mic is very there. Talking to you, Cam. Does that mean it's it's loud? Is that what this means? And then Cornelius says you ain't nothing but a hound dog, yoeling all the time. That's probably. I wonder if Elvis ever sang that to Yoel. That was from Cornelius Wolf shirt. It's all there. Rich says it's all there. I'm not sure what that is a reference to. Number 23. Was that? All right, number 23. Recently, Yoel Roth told Kara Swisher that he'd be primed to think about Russian hacking group at Apartment 28 before, before news of the Hunter Biden laptop came out. When it did, Roth said, it set off everyone my finely tuned apartment 28 hack and leap campaign alarm bells. Just what a weird thing to say. We can listen. I'm sure you guys have probably heard this clip, but we can play. Have you heard this game? This is him speaking at the Aspen Institute, I believe. We learn about DC leaks and we learn about the intersection between APT 28, a unit of Russian military intelligence, a hacking group. And so the morning of the Hunter Biden story in the New York post happens And it was weird, right? We didn't know what to believe. We didn't know what was true. There was there was smoke. And ultimately, for me, uh, it didn't reach a place where I was comfortable removing this content from Twitter. But it set off every single one of my finely tuned APT 28 hack and leak campaign alarm. So it looked possibly probably everything about it looked like a hack and leak. We learn about DC leaks. And we learn about the intersection between okay. APT 28. So I think our mics are a bit hot, Cam, from what I'm getting. I turned mine down a little bit. Is that neat? Yeah, I turned mine down a little bit better. Is that better? Uh, yeah. There's, why are they saying – there's no way that – wait. Okay, so I'm, I, I looked up APT 28, which I would read as Apartment 28, um, which is also called Fancy Bear, apparently. Um, but it was called APT 28 by Mandiant which is an American cybersecurity firm and a subsidiary of Google. It rose to prominence in February 2013 when it released a report directly implicating China in cyber espionage. So I, I so that's what this company, they call them APT28, which I don't know. That stands for Apartment 28. Why are they saying APT? Like, I mean, I understand reading it straight, like if you don't, but like that looks like, am I crazy? Well, yeah, I don't know if it referenced that. They have it in all caps. APT. So I, 
I don't know if that would be apartment 28 because I would think it wouldn't be in all caps if you okay, were see, referencing the, to apartment. The name Fancy Bear, which is their re- regular name apparently, comes yes. from a coding system security researcher Dmitry Al- Alperovich uses to identify hackers. Yeah. Yeah, this is all like some weird web of... To, to like and they're affiliated with yeah. Cozy Bear. Like They're twisted, man. They're, they're, this is like a weird revelation of the method of intelligence operations. I, I mean, I think from a broad view, it's what we've mentioned is they're going to get their hands on, try to get their hands on any channels of communications that they that are prominent in shaping the public's view of reality. So if something influences the public broadly, then they're going to try any point of contest, whatever Bernays and all the old propaganda she used to call it, points of contact that we come into with information. Everything's information, but like when it comes to messages and billboards, radio, whatever, they they're gonna try and co-opt it. That's why they, you know, that's why I tell people like gaming right now. I probably want I'm like, look, you better be careful what you say in gaming because there's they're full of feds. They're full of feds in there. Um, if you're playing with people that you don't know, you you might very well be playing with a fed, and they're trying to propagandize you. They're trying to maybe maybe patsy you, whatever. It, it's just. Everywhere, it's almost like you have to just. I joke around sometimes where it's like half the people in the world are just regular people, the other half are those people's handlers. You, you know, it's just like everybody has a handler, and you just have to just keep your eyes open about what your handler may, may or may not be doing. I'm exaggerating, sort of, not, not, not too much, but exaggerating a little bit, I think. And um, thank you, Zach. I appreciate that. Zach says, uh, he says, wrapped, oh, U- USDC maker DOA are behind DIA, one of the original devs crypto billionaires living in Puerto Rico or somewhere similar, has started tweeting that his girlfriend was a spy in the CIA and Mossad had some trafficking OP and planned to screw him. Wow. Uh, he then drowned fully clothed. He drowned wearing all his clothes hours after leaving a video that there were they were coming for him or something. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no, I will look into that. Okay, so, so the dude, AT... Yeah. Stands for Advanced Persistent Threat, so it is APT twenty eight. But it is, it is it, yeah, Ex- yeah. They have a lot of weird names on, on this thing. Like half weird. the half the okay. stuff on their 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 internal emails I can't even read because they're just weird acronyms and, and corporate speak that I've never heard of before. All right, so what we're gonna do? Uh, we're just gonna go ahead and go into the the DMB XR, and we're gonna continue doing this and. If you want to get access to that, you go to patreon.com, propagandafight.com for the website. And what you'll get is you get this show ad-free and you'll get the DMBXR combined together in an RSS feed. You can put in a your own podcast player. It's a private RSS feed. You can pop it into any podcast player. And I, I have recorded most of the stuff I was going to talk about. I know I promised this last week, but circumstances uh, made it, me unable to be able to get it done. Um, the stuff that I was going to talk about when it comes to the Idaho 4 murders, um, I have uh, most of that done. And that will be what tomorrow's show is after I get done editing that stuff tonight. It's, a, it's an interesting story, and I'm not going to be focused on speculating who did it. I'm not doing that. What I'm going to be focused on – It was on, me. It, well, I wouldn't say that right now, Cam. You're liable to show up on some con artist 
web stream, YouTube, because that, that's what I'm going to focus on. I'm going to focus on how these YouTubers who, so there's a lot of people doing investigations, kind of like web sleuth investigations into this crime, kind of like Gabby Petito. And most of them are, are doing like they, they seemed well-intentioned. I've watched so much stuff about this. I've followed it really closely. Most of them seem well-intentioned and are doing a pretty good job and have even helped uncover information, but a very small percentage of them, two in particular come to mind that I'm going to be focused on are straight up con artists. They lie to, to con their viewers, their, their YouTube viewers, to build up their, their channels and to uh, make tons of money because they, they've been able to game the, the algorithm and YouTube is featuring them or they were featuring them at the top of the list. And they're blatantly lying to people and it's like literally infecti- affecting the investigation. So I'm going to focus on that type of uh, how the, those idiots, those con artists could broadly affect uh, free speech in the future. And, and I think that this case is going to be a major part of this. That's what's going to be the show tomorrow. And uh, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Cam. And we're going to continue the conversation in the DMBXR. We will talk to you tomorrow or in the DMBXR. Have a fantastic rest of your day.